This is your hosts, James Jordan, Mike Wallace, and the Eggman, coming at you for another edition of the Wide World of Motorsports podcast on CFMH 107.3, local FM in St. John, New Brunswick, in in the region of Waterloo, on CKMS 102.7, Radio Waterloo, in Ontario, and on the Performance Motorsports Network app on your smart device. You can also check us out on demand on our streaming platforms. Many, many of them. I was just trying to like think, where do I start? Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Anchor. Oh, wait, Anchor. You know what, Wallace? Anchor.fm is not existent anymore. It's Spotify for podcasters, but that's, uh, yeah, actually, no more Anchor. Isn't that sad, Wallace? We've been we've been giving Anchor a shout-out for the last, like, that's been our thing in the intro. No t-shirt, no no nothing, and then, they, and then Spotify takes over. <laughs> but, uh, hey, Spotify, thank you for letting us be on your services yeah <laughs> and then yeah. also on social media at the wwoms on facebook instagram and um check out our web at www.thewideworldofmotorsportspodcast.wordpress.com we got some awesome stuff that we're posting up through there and also you can check us out on our oh. gaming we we try to do really we we try to do gaming <laughs> stuff on our YouTube, and um, especially with racing like iRacing, we're getting back into iRacing again. I think we had a good. There's a resurgence. Break. There's a get. So we're going to start streaming that stuff through Ruined Duck. Actually, it's uh, Eggman's uh, Eggman's streaming. Yeah, he's streaming and he's posting videos through Wounded Duck Gaming on YouTube, and then we're gonna. At the WWMS on YouTube, try to get some uh, onboard cam and stuff of our. We got the the Glen six hours at the Glen coming up. Uh, Ooh, yeah. We we're just kind of just doing some random racing throughout the week right now. So, yeah, I'd love to people to join us in the stream or maybe even join us on the track on iRacing. So that'd be super cool for our esports stuff. Um, yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. That's we we up. never really we forget to shout out the esports stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now we yeah we we cannot forget to mention that and uh, oh yeah also we 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 love interacting we we have been on Twitter a lot too um, got to bring back Twitter here uh, at the WWOMS we've we've been doing a lot of stuff through there a lot of interactions last week and it's really fun talking to people we've got a we got a few people out there that were we got uh, some constant contact with. Right, Wallace? Yes. Like Wade? Sorry, my wife's bothering me. <laughs> Sorry, my wife's bothering me. We, my my brother-in-law and his wife had their... So that's your shout-out to your brother-in-law and his wife? Wow. Shout-out on the show to Wallace's wife's brother-in-law. Yeah. Or yeah, your brother. So sorry. She she just she was showing me a picture, so I didn't actually hear what you said. Sorry. So so many sorry, shout outs here on the show. Um yes. and also other podcast friends, so always fun to do that. Wait. And let's uh let's yes. <laughs> and um let's get into the episode here. Let's uh we're gonna be kicking it off with our tradition here. It's episode twenty. Old school. 
And yeah, we, we always like to do our driver intros or our, sorry, driver uh, highlights. And like, do you guys want to start or should I go first? Why don't you go first? Christopher Bell, C. Bell, the WAMS alumni. We got it. We cannot forget to mention when we get a chance to get some WAMS alumnus, we got to. Alumni, alumnus, whatever. Alumni? I think, does it, does it, does it, alum? d- depend? Isn't it just alum? An alum. So that depends on how you're. Alumnus what, is singular, alumni right. is plural. Exactly. Um. So. But yeah, we we've we had him on the show back in back in the early days of the WAMS, about six or so years ago, or when he was, uh, I, I think it was twenty eighteen, I want to say. Um, and we had him on the show. It was I I remember because it was the same. No, maybe it was twenty. It was twenty sixteen. I saw him do a barrel roll in the trucks at Daytona, and then in the summertime we were able to to see him. At uh, for that was I think that was our first media event was in the the Labor Day for CTMP and we had C Bell on the show that was so cool that was so cool and and that was one of our first guests oh uh, yeah that was <laughs> isn't it crazy saying it all these years later that was one of our first guests <laughs> now he's whipping it around in the twenty for Joe Gibbs Racing. And yeah. and he's dipping it here and there in the Xfinity trucks. He loves to race. He is a racer. He all started off in the midgets on the dirt, and he's he's a dirt racer at heart. But he's you know we saw him come out through the years, and it was uh, yeah super cool to see him um, come up to Canada, especially when he was racing for. Yeah, that was uh, for uh, that was for KBM, and that was kind of early KBM in a way. So uh, that that was cool, and then seeing him finally get his ride in the Cup Series. What was that? Twenty twenty for Levine Family Racing, and in twenty twenty one, we saw him go to Joe Gibbs Racing. I can't believe that it's been that long already. And it, that seems like it hasn't been. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And we're, yeah, also, you know, with him just kind of getting better and better, he's obviously a, a playoff contender. We always know he's going to be a, a chance, at least the, the eight. He'd probably make it to, you know, you always think he can at least make it to that round. He's He's got, like, learning to do probably still, but I think he's like any other driver in that aspect. So I think C bell is a great driver. I think you're starting to see the down, the getting that maturity in the team too. I I think what you're starting to see is the fact that Joe Gibbs doesn't allow his drivers to do anything other than that kind of racing trucks, Xfinity or cup that his driving is not, like I think if he was still running dirt like Larson and stuff, I think he'd be as good. Like he'd be running up there more often. That's just my opinion. Uh, we see we see him do it. I think, and you know, we're halfway through the season. Yeah, I always, but- I always try, try to hope that he's going to put one in 
Yeah, Grandpa Joe's pretty protective of his uh, drivers, so unfortunately, he can't go do the wants the stuff he wants to do. <laughs> yeah, and we saw that. That's probably the real reason why he didn't come to CTMP for Pinties is that he wasn't allowed to go run dirt. That's if probably it was an oval race. If it, I bet you, if it, it was an asphalt race, no problem. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Seabell was supposed to come to the to the big O for their first race for the Pentium series first race on the dirt. Wow, that's right. No, yeah, and and let's hope maybe uh, maybe something like that will happen. Actually, happen again. <laughs> uh, but my yeah, I I you know, let's you know he's been doing pretty good this season. Obviously, with his win at uh, Bristol Dirt. Which makes sense. Didn't do good at the the Coke Six Hundred though. Not too good at this past weekend's race, obviously. But uh, well, he was running all right. Yes, he was, he was running okay. Yes, but. yeah, yeah. But last season, he was just top tens, top fives, like basically all season. So I, you know, maybe he's just having a he's he's got basically that kind of going on for this season, and he's got a, a couple rocky races. Just like at Coda, um, the second race of the season at Auto Club, and then just a couple races go at Kansas. So, but then then again, he's been doing good at uh, yeah. Like, like I think he's got a good car at those intermediates this season, and maybe something at short tracks. So, we'll see what the number twenty of C Bell has to offer going forward as got to go with him got to pick him got to pick that wams alumnus alumni whatever you want to call it uh c bell good old c bell what about you guys what do you guys pick you go ahead wallace mine is obscure enough that i think it should be last it's obscure um i'm gonna go with one that is very important to me actually uh, not the one that I initially told you guys because I completely forgot about this one. I can't believe it. Um, this driver is probably the sole reason for me falling in love with sports car racing and the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and that is fictional race car driver uh, Michael Delaney, who drives <laughs> number 20 Golf Porsche. In the movie Le Mans. That's um, I, didn't, I didn't I did not know fictional drivers were on the table. Noted. Absolutely. Uh, if I could pick Ricky happened. Bobby, I would. Yeah, absolutely. This, this one is pretty important because it was I remember the story behind it. Go check out the movie. It was filmed during the movie. They actually there's a cool history behind them filming it. Steve drove in the race a little bit. Um but the car, the camera car, uh, that race, they, the, the, the company, the production company put, entered a car in the race, a Ford GT40 at the time, and mounted a ca- camera to the front of it. And uh, they had to come in at like 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning or something like that to change the film out of the cameras because this is the olden days when they had... A- actual film like this was 1971 when or yeah 71 when they when it, 72 when it came out it was filmed for the 70 race 1970 season race and uh it was either 
stay out because they didn't have to actually pit. They were only pitting to change the film. But it was if they pit, they would lose the race. But <laughs> stayed out, they could win the race, but not film the movie. So ultimately, they pit and change the film. But uh, wow. that's a heck of a decision. That, wow. Yeah, that the film the the producers said that the the studio would much prefer a film on the desk than a trophy. Um, there's a whole there's the story and history behind that. His watch, why it's a Tag Heuer, why he has Tag Heuer on his driver's suit, um, the famous two finger salute that you see uh, that I that I I love, and that's just the old uh, British. I'm still here to the French. And uh, that, yeah, I've been a big Steve McQueen fan, and that movie just really, I, I there was a dialing movie down by my house. I'd get money, I'd be able to go down, rent a movie, VHS, when I was younger, and I'd go down there. I was probably in grade seven. I saw the cover, I saw him, it said Le Mans. I flipped it over, I see the Porsche, I see the Ferrari, and I'm like, what is this? I rented it, I watched it over and over, and the next weekend I went down and I rented it again. So, nice. for my love of sports car racing, I was going to have to go with number 20, Michael Delaney. That's a that's a good one. Like I said, I didn't know fictional drivers were, off the table, were on the table, so I'll, I'll keep that in mind moving forward. That is just an outstanding film, and it's one of what I consider to be the holy trinity of yes. racing movies. Um, but mine... It comes from the 2006 season, and in keeping with my One Race Wonder thing, but I've gone a little a little better than that, because this gentleman didn't even run the whole race. Hmm. Um, Ricky Rudd. Really? Ricky Rudd. So, in 2006, Tony Stewart had two pretty gnarly accidents back-to-back on the Charlotte weekend and broke his right shoulder blade, and because of this... He needed a substitute driver for the Dover race the next week. The problem is he was fighting for a championship and needed all the points he could get his hands on. So if you cast your minds back to the weekend of June 3rd, 2006, you may remember that Tony Stewart ran the first 30 laps of that race before, excuse me, before a Tony Reigns spin brought out a caution that was beneficial to him uh, being able to swap out himself for Ricky Rudd. Uh, Ricky Rudd came out of the pits in 28th. He finished 25th. Uh, the car was just not good enough to get back up through the field. So, um, yeah. Do you know what team that was with? Joe Gibbs? Oh, it's always been a Joe Gibbs number. Or, or for the modern era, I guess. Yep. It was oh, okay. Joe Gibbs, Tony Stewart, um, I didn't Again. know Ricky. I, that's Ricky Rudd drove for Joe Gibbs. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yes, for most of a race. Mm. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, so he, again, broken that, shoulder blade, needed some help. Ricky came Home out of Depot. retirement. Home Depot. Uh, it was actually Home Depot Powerade scheme. I'll send the picture in the chat here in a minute. Yeah, cool. Cool. So How many races was Tony out for? Just, just the one, I think. Just that one. Wow. That was an 06. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. So Smoke must have been... Yeah, he must have been quote-unquote close to... 
Well, that was he back just, he in the just... time when you would see that a driver would start a race and then get out of the car. Now they just get a substitute driver in. Yeah. From the beginning. The rules have changed. It's because it's because of the new point system is why. Yeah. Wasn't it Richard it's that they they now. taped his hand to the gear shift or who was that? I don't recall. I know what you're talking There's about. There's a so. guy that they taped his hand to the gear shifter as long as he could shift the gears. I'm like, that's how that's dangerous. <laughs> like, what's going on? Anyways. I thought that was DW or something like that. Yeah, some good ones. There's some good picks. Um, for 20 episodes now this season, we've been we've been going pretty good on that one. And that's I want awesome. I wonder if anyone has. I wonder if we end up getting into maybe asking people. For uh, they 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 say hey number this person ran twenty one I want to hear about them that'd be cool to hear um, that'd be that'd be super cool oh, that's a weird looking livery that'd be super cool um, to uh, hear back from some people and get some almost like requests for the not for songs but for for driver numbers. Drivers. Yes, yeah. I like that. Yes, we'll take requests. We'll for take, drivers. yeah, you know what I mean. It has so. to be the number of the episode. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're yeah, and we usually post what episode we're on when we when we will we try to uh, make our podcast as accessible through our social media as we can. So we usually have a an episode number up, or you just check out our podcast, or when we yeah, you can figure out hey, they just did that. They just these guys. They just did Christopher Bell. He's number twenty, so that must mean the next episode. Yeah, but it's going to be the Ricky. It's going to be the Ricky Rudd. They'll hear the Ricky Rudd part. They'll be like, "What? Oh, we got to do eighty nine now." Eighty nine. I'll throw in a special. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Real late. He he drove the eighty eight. Yeah, that's just yeah. I have a. It's a toy. And it's like a, it's a, it's Whoa, a huge, careful. it's a huge version yeah. of that 88 car. And it, that if you press down on the top of it, <laughs> it, it makes noises. <laughs> it's not getting any going, better. Yeah, yeah, it makes, it, we need to it makes revving noises. Move along. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Anyway, we got to get into the show before we get shut down on our uh, radio stations that we're on. <laughs> we got to uh, get into the show. F1 at Monaco. They um, started off the trifecta of racing. Then second was Indy 500. And then rounding it all off a day after. All of this goodness uh, was the Coke 600, which is still the trifecta of racing. It all happened within a day, basically. So we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, we'll start it all off with Formula Uh at uh, I. You know what? I I love when they go to Monaco. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's not. I'm for a geezer everybody. that way, though. <laughs> it's definitely an acquired taste. I think. It was a little bit better this year than it has been, uh, especially after it started raining. But to get ahead of that a little bit, so if our loyal view, uh, listeners remember, we all made predictions at the end of last week's episode, hmm. and uh, mine was out of contention on Saturday. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so that's, that's I, right. I chose Sergio yeah. Perez and his uh, oopsie poopsie at turn one in qualifying meant that he had no chance of winning the Monaco Grand Prix. But um, I don't remember. I think it was one of you picked for Stappen, and good for you. You picked the low hanging fruit. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not too out of character. Then. Yeah. Um, so it was it was an exciting race. Um, so the most notable thing was the rain, and the most notable part of the rain is how Aston Martin pulled a Ferrari and botched the strategy by pitting Fernando Alonso onto another set of slick tires one lap before pitting him for a set of intermediates. That's yeah, which which effectively big... cost him a shot because had he not had to pit again, they would have been like two seconds apart. That all was a big call the by them. What what uh, what led them to that? Did they just miss it or miscue? I don't. I can't tell you. I have no idea why they decided uh, to do is that. Is Monaco they, the quickest lap they do of the year? It is not. Uh, I believe. Uh, the Red Bull ring is because oh, yeah. of the percentage of time you're full throttle. Yeah, okay. You do it a heck of a lot faster than you do Monaco. Oh, I wonder, okay. I was always, because it seems to be that Monaco tends to be the track that has the most amount of pit stop miscues. I think a lot has to do with it's just a real tight pit road. And it's I, real I always tight. wondered if it was partially to that they come around so quick and if you're not and that the driver like i don't know how i don't know how often the driver at monaco is is talking while he's driving i know they play radio messages but they're not live so they never they're match not live. where they are i, I, I think it's I, I similar to the motorsports so, we watch i think so I don't i'm wondering know if they yeah but. so i just part of me thinks that sometimes it might take a lap to even get a full fucking sentence out because you're just so you've driven it on the game. I know it's a game, but like it's so hyper focused. One step, you you hit the barrier. So really, and I can only draw from experience from the game because obviously yeah. I'm not a Formula One driver. But the only time I would personally feel comfortable radioing would be the pit straight and. I don't remember. Forgive me, Formula One fans. I don't remember what all the corners are called, but that stretch up the hill to Casino Square because it's straight line. Oh, yeah. It's wider than normal, so you've got a little breathing room. If I had to guess, I would assume that's where most of the radio communication happens. But to answer your question earlier, the reason that there are more pit miscues and miscommunications at Monaco is on a normal track, the pit wall is on pit wall. And they can just, and if they really need to, they can just yell across to the garage to get people in gear. At Monaco, the pit building, the pit wall is upstairs, yeah, indoor, right. in, indoors. So there is a little bit of delay between when huh. a decision is made versus when the crew gets the word, which is actually how uh, Daniel Ricardo got screwed in 2016. Interesting. I think it was. Okay. So that's why. But okay. Yeah. So, there's, there's so many cool things about Monaco that you don't know about. <laughs> yeah, so Aston Martin botched it, and I I don't know if Fernando would have been able to do anything anyway. 
because uh, the Red Bull is just so fast. Um, the, the the Twitter storm that was started by so they started using like actual construction type cranes for moving wrecked race cars around. What's with that? The circuit this year. It's because it's easier and there's it's easier can to I, get them I out say, of there. You know, I thought they always did that. I'm like thinking this say, is like I, a thing they I'm always did. They know. I just want to pause this for a second. Welcome drives to survive era with, because we've never seen this before because usually at Monaco the they don't crash in those things. This craning of cars out of the way, go watch the movie Grand Prix from the 60s. Yeah, you're right. They do it back then. They have old cranes and do it back then. Back when they didn't have a safety car, they just walked out onto the track and that's how they got the cars because it was easier to retrieve the car and pull it out, obviously, oh, and keep yeah. the racing going than to have a of course like it's a course truck. And and that being said, because we have modern day racing, the twenty four hours of the Nurburgring, where they're still racing, and you'll come up on a course vehicle, a flatbed tow truck carrying a wrecked race car on the racetrack there's a car a safety car behind it with flashing lights they'll be waved yellows you can't pass but they'll still run at pretty good clip and they got a I there's one the truck there's a clip from this year's the truck crossed the track on a blind corner in the dark and the Porsche's like whoop <laughs> to go it's actually crazy, it, actually that exact thing happened uh, during F2 practice I believe it was this year oh. is they had a track truck out there and it was raining and one of the it was almost exactly like fatal accidents in the past and uh he came up it was it was that left turn you know when you come into casino square and there was a track truck to the left side which is where the racing line is and it had its flashing lights on but it was fairly dark because it was raining and of course rain brings lower visibility anyway and he almost took out a crew of track workers and the truck, but he was quick enough to get around it. Now, it, it was the driver's fault because he did not properly slow down when he when the yellows mm. were were out and waving, uh, and he actually has been fined for it. And based on what I'm hearing, will potentially be suspended. But um, it's just interesting that this is such a big thing all of a sudden, and and it's. I mean, they they do it at Macau, the Grand Prix at Macau. Use cranes. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I've seen the crane trucks before. They crane it up onto a flatbed, but mm. in Checo's crash and qualifying, they had like a crane that you would use to build like a skyscraper. Yep. Just yep. pick it up, and they just put, brought it back to the pits. I thought it was awesome, but I, what I was alluding to was the uh, the comedy that has come out of teams taking notes of Red Bull's floor oh. as the car went overhead. Yeah, what was that about too? Yeah, explain that. So, the floor is one of the few parts of a Formula One car that you can't get a good look at while the car is sitting there. You can see the edge of the floor, but the floor itself... You can get a good look at a T-bone if you stick your head up a bolt, (laughs) but but wouldn't you like to take the butcher's word for it? I'd rather take the butcher's word for it, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So, it's... I don't think Red Bull is too concerned about it in reality. Um... But because there are rules in place to prevent copycat cars. Shockingly. (laughs) But it doesn't. Uh, Pink Mercedes. Anyway, um, so 
the it's just the, <laughs> the 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 memes that have come out of teams like i saw one where it was the the car was going overhead and then it was that scene in sponge where he's like write that down write that down oh yeah <laughs> it was just great i just thought it was humorous if you have access to formula on twitter i highly suggest going and taking a peek down that thread it's pretty funny so yeah after the rain transition uh they left kevin magnuson out on hard tires until it was undrivable which is questionable but other than that it was Smooth sailing for Max from there we to the end. Some, we saw some real, actually, kind of weird, unsafe driving. Russell just pull out in front of, wasn't it Perez? Yeah, it was. Um, it I love the green. A, a couple of times they were they backed out of, of what I call the oh crap roads into yeah. into the racetrack. I was like, is that can they do that? And apparently you they know can. What? Kind of just to tie all three races into each other for the weekend, they kind of seemed like all the cars were a handful this weekend. When we talk about Indy, we'll talk about those sketchy guys losing it, and we saw it at the 600. So it's just kind of interesting that it's kind of ebb and flowing together. No, yeah, the rain for Monaco was a much-needed shake-up. And Alonso and Ocon, they didn't do too shabby in the rain either. They ran it off I the was, podium for that. So we, we talked about it in the group chat on Quali Day. Ocon was on pole for about five of the last eight minutes of qualifying. And I was quietly freaking out that it was happening. But I, I'm still amazed that he managed to keep it on the podium. And if you want to laugh some more, watch his, watch his podium stuff because he uh, – kind of a bumbling oaf up there because he's not up there so all that often so he he almost slipped and fell and then he kicked over his champagne bottle it was hilarious i can't yeah it's good for that team um i heard somebody make a comment about uh when will lawrence uh look at or take the team success 30 seconds having a sun drive but uh, anyways, where are we going next? Well, I was just going to say, no doubt that, of course, Max was the master class again. As many people as, as are going, ugh, to that. Um, as much as that's the case, that's, uh, that's the reality for, for F1 right now. Let's move on to IndyCar, welcoming our listeners on CFMH 107.3 Local FM in St. John, New Brunswick. On CKMS 102.7 Radio Waterloo in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario, and on the Performance Motorsports Network app and all major streaming services. We're just talking about the first part of the trifecta of racing for 2023, which had uh, F1 at Monaco, which is the classic, getting up in the morning groggy for that. Uh, And then you get the 500, the, uh, the Indy 500. The biggest race for Indy and American motorsports and the whole year for IndyCars basically in preparation for this day. Yeah, yeah I mean, this race is, I, I have to disagree with Lee Diffie and say that it's not the biggest race in the world. I think Le Mans has and will and will always hold that moniker, but I definitely would say that the Indy 500 is second. Um it looked 
like it was packed and amazing. 350,000 people, I think they said. Um, yeah, there's stuff going on that didn't even have anything to do with racing. Like there's the snake pit where there's like a, yeah. a festival going on and people are getting messed up. Like I think it was, hospital, I think it was going to the hospital. I don't know if it up. was raid, uh, race day. <laughs> it was like nine in the morning and they were already at 23 unconscious. Yeah. So like not to rag on what's like going on at any, but to give you an idea dark, though, people, and there's, there's sometimes there's golf like there's like maybe like a tournament going on for the like there's just there's almost more than just racing going on. It's inc- I, I, for me, the pop and circumstance of it is incomparable. And we were talking in the the chat for people for for people that aren't American like Wallace and I. Those pre race festivities make you want to be an American. I know we disagreed on the uh, which is kind of fun on Twitter. With two different yeah. tweets from one account, one saying that was the best, and one saying that was the worst. But I don't know stuff like that with the with the flyover and hearing, um, you know, all all the the traditional stuff they do uh, going going home, Indiana or whatever the song's called. That you could be any you could be um, anyone in the world, you could be anywhere in the world, and you can sing that song. Yeah, so I, that's really cool. Uh, and also other stuff too, oh, like goosebumps. Kind of thinking about it. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Right. So for that, me, yeah, for me being an American, hearing the national anthem all the time, of course, is... uh, it's back home again in Indiana is the one that gets me going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that the yeah. only time I hear that is Indy Five Hundred. Yeah, right? yeah. So and that's the truth. That's been forever. Well, the one yeah. that got me for for the weekend was was when the 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 soldier played. I can't remember the name of the song yeah. on the trumpet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and taps. It was taps. taps. taps Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, and he just and the place is dead silent. Yes, uh, the silence too. With so many, how many people I, are there? That's weird, eh? Like, yeah. that's resp- obviously like, that, respect, that actually truthfully got me. It's the like, most, like and emotional. and then I'm like, and as as a Canadian, I'm like, I'm I'm glad there are. <laughs> I'm not trying to kiss and kiss ass here, but I'm glad there. <laughs> I'm glad I don't. So you know, there's there's lots of reasons maybe why we shouldn't be, but that's one reason why I'll take it. Uh, but also, you know, with with it being TK's last crack at it, um, you know. With, with the versatility in the field, we were seeing well, Catherine leg go up, and unfortunately, she had some issues throughout the race. There's just a lot of different. Uh, I always like to see who other you know what, with the driving backgrounds that come into this, or you know people from uh, drivers from all around the world of all different walks of life come to this. I think that's really unique. It's it's kind of cool because all these skills meld together. You see something unique, and and. You know the tradition side of it too is you know you're going into that green flag. It's just there's nothing like it. Seeing them cross the bricks, um, the racing though, you know, and again as you say, uh, it is the uh, my favorite kind of racing. The trademark, uh, I'll 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 be this the you know the the spokesperson for it uh, of how great just racing hard is. Just racing your managing your. St- I'd say it every week. Managing, I love watching it. Managing your stuff. Like just hanging on to it, making through this well, and great racetrack. It's not easy. It's fun to watch. Well, and that's what this weekend is 
is kind of always been about with when it comes to to what the races entail you know despite what you think or feel about monaco it's not easy to do that race no Same with it's the, the hardest Indy track on the schedule this yeah this monaco i mean sorry indy is so unique in its whole characteristics for um how you enter into turn one to how you enter into turn two three and four they're all different um you know i hear guys talk about uh you spend when they got really good at indie they learned or were taught that you're actually turning more than you're going straight at indie because of the way the corners line up it's tough it's a tough track that's for sure and Um, and you have to manage the tires there and you have to manage where you're running and recognize when you're not in position and we saw when drivers didn't do that they ended up it was tough in the wall and for the first three quarters of the race was mostly green flag and I proposition that we might go the go all the way. way green. And we, Boy, we just, were you wrong! As things naturally there. pick up after a couple pit stops, and as the race goes on and, and the laps common. go on, things pick up. Things then that's when you get a yellow, and then guess what? Cautions breed cautions. We say it all the time, and then then you get red flags. Which which some of these red flags were good calls on Indy to save those laps. Obviously, it's it ends under yellow if it has to. So. Um, at one point, one of the most scariest things I've ever seen in racing, maybe the scariest moment, because I, I I had to walk out of the room when that tire went over the the uh, the the catch fence. Was that snowball. turn two or turn three? It's turn two. One. Yeah, was that it was turn two. It was oh, turn okay. two. That was tough uh, to watch because Felix, Felix started to crash in turn one, but he didn't hit. Yeah, yeah and luckily two. it. it it dragged out because if that if they hit if the tire was hit, uh, just a, you know a couple dozen feet sooner that would have been a different situation. And that was, yeah, because I you don't know what happens when you see it. And I couldn't believe what I saw. I, I like it's like it was like eye racing. It's like I was like I saw it's like that tire just go out of the racing area. It's like that's oh, that's what I thought too. that happened. That and they just didn't happened. address it for obvious reasons. And that's and that's when I go. That's how I knew. I'm like, uh. And then social media, power of social media, though. The only, yeah, the, the snowball, the car, uh, got the, the brunt of that. And the owner of the car was able to get a special treat. And they sent them to kiss the bricks at the and end of the race. And giving them a new car. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. So, hey, you know what? You, you you know, in that situation, that uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> There'd be a lot of weird parking spots, not the next. Race. And I'm glad, glad it ended out that way. And not only that, the wreck was bad too in the halo, and seeing um, him take his visor off his, just kind of look and go, "Am I upside down?" <laughs> but that it was getting crazy at the end, and you know, obviously we. Uh, I like what the call was with like two to go. They brought them down and then, uh, then they said, yeah, we're going to give you a green whites. Yeah. And so I, was, I, I like that call. It's different. It's controversial. What do you think? I understand how racing purists may think that it's the wrong decision and it wasn't fair. And of course um, the, everybody that didn't win thought it wasn't fair. Um, 
but as a series and an owner and an entertainer, if they had let that race, how exciting the last quarter of the race they'd let the fans down if if they had let that race end under yeah. caution, it would have let an entire everybody that was watching it would have let everybody down and i understand that it may appear that a one-lap shootout is dangerous and irresponsible but that comes down to the drivers making bad decisions more than it does right. and it ended all right i mean you know no one got no, hurt i mean that one lap was probably the safest restart that they had the whole last quarter of the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said, my... As, Two minutes. Uh, this is going to be, because I don't want to be one of these people, but the way I feel about it is, and I've been watching Indy for a long time, finishing under a caution flag is highly not uncommon for IndyCar at that race. And I just, since when does it have to be 18 wide at the checkered flag to be a good race? Like, why, why, why can't we? You're gonna say, you, we say that all the fans are going to be disappointed because it didn't go green. But you know what? It went caution because that was the natural way the race right. went. And if you really want to be angry, be mad at the drivers. Be like, you know what? It's Tweet your them. fault. I didn't get to see a good finish because you guys can't make it to the start finish line. So I just, I can't get on board with this. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. It's green, white, checkered. It, it just, I understand. It, you know what, though? The And the other part is, is that th- they've never done it. And then they they do it at the biggest race. Now, they've read, I agree with the red flags can't disagree with them uh i like that in dirt car sprint car racing as soon as the car flips it's red flag and they're gone to the car i think that's how it should always be eggman yeah you wrap this up minute yeah so okay i i agree with what you are saying wallace and Mm -hmm. i i feel the same way as you do but the 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 knee-jerk reaction to when a race finishes under yellow because I can, I consider that to be one of the worst things in racing. When you're having an exciting race, they're duking it out, and then something stupid happens, like they wreck before they get to the start-finish line, and then the race is over. You, It's the adrenaline dump gives yeah. you the knee-jerk reaction I, I that, well, it. that sucked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I after, but, but after then, like, a the, day, I would say, yeah. yeah, that was a good race. I, it, the ending and then the problem crappy. is, is there, everyone goes, oh, the, 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 we need to change the sport. And it's like, yeah, but last week they they went green all the way to the end of the week before Screw they the did. Screw the Twitter people. Before they did. Don't so what, what it all boils down to, and this, I'm going to compare quick. it. I'm going to compare it to Abu Dhabi 2021, which is a sore subject if you're a Lewis Hamilton fan or really an F1 fan because you're tired of hearing about it. But... They put that they sent that race green because they knew if they didn't, they wouldn't gain any fans. They may not lose fans, but they won't gain any fans. And what they did in both situations is they gave two two or in in these case a handful of guys one more chance to make something happen. And for better or worse, that's just the way now, the way it went down. Now I don't think they'll do it every week. They better not let's, do it every week. Let's look at uh, a comparison here to what they did in Charlotte for the Coke 600. They were pretty, all throughout the day on Sunday, they were 
they're making a couple statements even, uh, and then the, the track owner makes a video, uh, or, or the president or whatever makes a video uh, that they're they're gonna get the race in, and then they give fans the, um, the. I think this is a cool side of it when when you get a situation uh, thinking about the logistics. So you say, hey, you come in for the Xfinity race, you could stay for the Cup race, and for yeah, you yeah. you folks down south, it was a holiday the Monday. But some people had to work. So, yeah, you know, we we get that up here too. Some people got to work on the holiday Monday, but or Friday, but or weekend. But like, you know, it was almost not a big deal. A lot of people have, you know, they booked their hotel. They got to get out Monday morning, and they got to catch a flight. So some people, like locals, obviously, we saw a decent crowd there. Not that we were talking about the crowds in a in a critical way, because yeah, um, but. Uh, being raced out to Monday it was able to, uh, it was fun watching that at work half that at work uh, but that first stage was fairly tame other than the competition caution and Jimmy spinning late in the stage was sucked to see that was um, and it, it was tough again it's it's <laughs> it's tough to see legacy motor club with the the dismal finishes week after week as a Jimmy fan, I am disappointed that uh, this is how our, our team is going. But, um, you know, Kevin Harvick started in the front, too. Got to mention Kevin Harvick here. Started in the front, to the back, to the front, to the back. Kept an eye on him all race. Uh, that was crazy. But the stage one win goes to William Iron Byron for that. And as we saw in stage two, all manufacturers as well as teams that are in the top ten for stage two is a representation of everyone, um, which is nice to see kind of when you're going halfway. But then we saw the rain come in, which was great for me because then I was able to finish up work and get home. A lot of people were probably in that situation. And, uh, yeah, it it took a bit for that to get going. And then we saw at 186, Danny and Chase, the uh, big talked about incident, which we'll get to at the end here as we wrap up the show about what we think about that. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, they're racing hard out of three. No room was given to one another. And then what we all expected out of the nine happened to the 11. And uh, as we all know, Hamlin likes him some good hard racing. So Chase gave him some good hard racing back in return mm. at the wall of the trioval. The stage two winner, Brad Kislowski, um, which for RFK, always good to see every couple races them get a little shot in uh, to be able to say, hey, we're, we're here to be uh, a force to be reckoned with. Super cool to see that Brad K, uh, f- old champion in the series, <laughs> getting some uh, stage wins, and uh, the Fords too, eh? You know, with with Blaney with his performance throughout stage three, getting his first stage win of the year, and the first stage win at Charlotte. Uh, seeing him kind of develop as a driver over his years. Old, not young Ryan Blaney, old Ryan Blaney now. Well, there's drivers <laughs> like him, and I would throw like Austin Dillon in it. Um, and you know, uh, they're getting up there, uh, but no, that are really good at those long endurance run races, those long mile sure. oh, races, yeah. and they're always in the hunt to be, you know, good points. We saw some, some really good finishes for some guys, and kind of close to. The Indy 500, we saw lots of yellows at the end, and that's another thing. You're driving, and it was a little different because we had more daytime than we had nighttime, which which I thought was cool. 
because uh, we still saw it and under the lights. Just we didn't see, a, you know, most of the race under the lights. Um, but yeah, Ryan's uh, make, make Ryan making you know himself up there through those restarts at the end and finding himself back in victory lane for the uh, after fifty nine races. Yeah, I mean Ryan kind of. We saw him do really well at Texas last year for the All-Star race. Like I said, I think Ryan's good at those long-run races. He's good at that style racing. And he sealed it. You know, how many times do we see Ryan up there in the mix and not get it done and and, and come home with that win? You know, he was emotional after that win. I was kind of, I you know, I get it. I feel it for him. Uh, that was a really good, it was a real win for that team. Yeah. Um, it, and, and and the first time Mr. P- or, uh, the captain wins the that 500 too. and too bad it wasn't the same day, but <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, but, but he was there. He got to be there for it. Um, so yeah, it was a really good race. Uh, I, act, I watched the entire thing and I, yes, I did. I, I somehow did too. <laughs> too. I like, I watched it. It was, it was interesting you know I was listening to the strategy that was playing out it actually the, oh, yeah, the that ball and having that. stages made it interesting and we saw drivers having to race the track losing the car and three uh, and seeing guys so, run three different grooves racing for one position and all kind of like synchronize each other like synchronize racing out of the turns at charlotte which is something different you know um and also you know the importance of tradition in racing, you hear it every year. Uh, you know, these three are the hardest races in racing. And uh, all all the months and the anticipation for these, you know, especially for us as fans, becomes something that you look forward to when you watch with friends and family. And uh, this, this weekend is definitely, you know, I obviously think of the Daytona 500 personally, but also the trifecta of racing weekend too is, is always... Uh, uh, you know, an, another good second one, uh, you know, uh, past the Rolex, past Sebring and all that stuff. But the Indy 500, I, as much as I've loved the Coke 600 and I've liked Monaco, the Indy 500 has always just been very special for, for me personally. And I, I love it. And, and I can't wait till we have a b- bigger reason to watch it next year with the double from from Kyle Larson for me too. Yeah. Uh, Eggman, you wrap this up. Um, I want to just go back to the, the, the chase and anything. Yeah, we got it. We got to, we have, we have to talk about it. Otherwise, what are we doing? Um, (laughs) Right. So we talked about it yesterday off air that NASCAR had to look at what and not who. Yes. Yes, Chase Elliott is NASCAR's most popular driver. That's not a secret. But and Hamlin's not the big not, Hamlin. You know, Hamlin is not exactly a popular, the most driver. loved. You know, <laughs> but Denny was absolutely right. Chase threw a tantrum, and it was dangerous. Do I blame Chase for getting upset that he bounced off the wall coming out of four? No, we all get upset when we hit the wall. Of course, but. Or feel like we were pushed into it. (laughs) Or feel like we were pushed into it. Yeah. And I've been using this term a lot recently, but our knee-jerk reaction 
is to be upset at the dude that's inside of us, even if it wasn't yeah. his fault. Like he was, if he was, he was there. He was close, but he didn't like touch us or push us. We're still gonna get upset at him. And he, Denny, Denny called it, and it, I, I, I see it as correct. Chase threw a temper tantrum, for lack of a better term, and it knocked him and Denny out of the race. Neither of which would have been out That's of the race necessarily it? to begin with. But you know, it's it's you only think a one Chase did that purposely. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I think that's there's where your no, turn left anyway. In the turn, there's no, but. there's no, yeah, but not that hard. Mm. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. I disagree. I, 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 I feel that, or I don't feel. I think you can look at it two ways. The way it snapped to the left. My instant, I told you guys this yesterday, my instant thought was something Bounced broke off the wall. because that's what it or looked that like. Too. It just tired it, tire. Yeah. But I don't think that's the case. I think he, he, I also don't think he meant to right hook him. I think he meant to hit him, maybe cut his tire down because it's kind of where he was aiming, you know, just really screw his day over. He definitely didn't mean to right hook him in the wall. Um, and NASCAR set a precedent last year when they suspended Bubba Wallace and, and said, I mean, they, we need to start doing our podcast earlier in the week because some of the stuff oh. that we talk about um, <laughs> has been talked about, right? But anyway, NASCAR, tend to, NASCAR set a precedent <laughs> with Bubba and, and they had to follow suit with, with Chase because if they didn't, then it's then it's really open season on anything. Anybody's going to be doing anything. Yes, yeah, so I, I just want to add one more thing as we wrap I it do up here. Yeah, like the the idea that um, NASCAR can't make a decision without somebody saying Denny influenced or Chase one influenced minute. now with social media. So that's kind of annoying. So I'm going to make this really quick. I think with the brand of racing that has been on the track recently, NASCAR needed to make an example of somebody. And Chase gave them an opportunity to do that, whether it was actually intentional or just Are we looked about Briscoe really or Elliot. Huh. Elliot, silly. <laughs> but um, you didn't see the Chase Briscoe news? No, I didn't. Oh, 125 owner points, um, 50 driver points, 30 seconds ended. Anyways, oh, anyway, legal parts, As modified parts. Chase Elliot, if they uh, were, they needed to make an example out of somebody, and doing it to the poster boy of nascar is going to send the message that we need to clean it up and we need to start racing like men and not the teenagers that we've been racing like recently or just boys yeah. have at it and let them fucking deal with it themselves yeah we'll uh, maybe maybe we'll hear some uh more boys have at it out of the nascar kingdom no <laughs> um but anyway so yeah we're gonna wrap it up here real quick with our picks for wwt I uh, it's not looking good for me in the standings. I've been falling back. Wallace is moving up there, so you know he's looking. I still suck. Yeah, I mean you were looking down at the bottom there with Dirty Joe, and uh, yeah. So I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna put in those good drivers at the end of the season. I'm saving my guys. It's my strategy. I don't know if it's a smart strategy, but when I'm gonna take advantage of Corey LaJoy and Carson Osvar and. Uh, I'm going to keep a guy like Harrison and Ross in. I'm going to use up those guys like Kozlowski. They got a good streak right now. I'm putting J.J. Yaley on my bench. What about you guys? 
I am also taking advantage of Corey LaJoy. Uh, trying to, I, I'm excited to see what he's going to do in, in do something. top tier equipment. That track too. Uh, I'm leaving Willie B in there because he's been on a flipping tear uh, for the last month and a half. Uh, I'm hoping Ryan Blaney keeps up the momentum. I've also got Seabell and Chris Busher on the team. And as usual, Kyle Bush is in the garage. And Wallace, 30 seconds. Probably going to go with the usual suspects. You, the, a lot of guys that you went with there. Um, I. I think I'm going to ride the Hendrick train heavy. Honestly. Just put in all HMS. <laughs> but I feel like maybe Denny because he's he's got something to come back. and, and Well, we'll through. see. Uh, we're going to talk about it all week, next week on the show. Uh, check us out on social media at the WWOMS. We are all over on the streaming platforms on demand. We're on the Performance Motorsports Network app on your smart device. And also on the FM on CFMH 107.3. Local FM in St. John, New Brunswick. See KMS 102.7 in Radio Waterloo, Regional Waterloo, Ontario. And check out the www.thewideworldofmotorsportspodcast.wordpress.com for our articles on these races that we're pushing out there slowly. And if I haven't mentioned it, our social media at the WWOMS. Just about wraps it up for this edition. I am James Jordan. Mike Wallace. And I am the Eggman. See y'all around the bed. Adios. Bye-bye.